You're listening to a podcast from Jubilee Church, Farnham. To find out more, visit www.jubilee.church. Hi everyone, my name's Rick and I'm glad to be with you today. Before I became a Christian, I had quite a sceptical and judgmental view of what Christianity was and who these Christians were. I thought of them as religious people, and I didn't mean that as a compliment. They were grumpy, uptight. They never seemed to enjoy a joke or a laugh, or ne- certainly never seemed to have fun. I seemed to know them more for what they were against and what they didn't do, rather than what they were for and what they did do. Yeah, these Christians, they were grumpy people who looked down and judged those who lived differently to them. I also thought they were generally a bit old, Uh, they liked to wear quite a bit of tweed, and for those of them that still had hair, it had a distinct blue tinge to it. You know, and I'm, I'm certainly not talking as if they're all aged punk rockers. No, when I thought of these Christians, it was more old and severe rather than Johnny or Rotten. But that was my experience and understanding of Christians at that point. And just imagine, if you're a Christian, there's probably someone out there who thinks this way about you. Now, I know some of us are old. I know some of us like tweed, particularly in a hat. And some of us like blue hair. But putting all those three together does have its issues. And you see, it's all too easy for us to slip into a lifestyle of living off the lists. There's the good list and the bad list. And without realizing it, we can end up living in such a way that re-emphasizes this caricature of the Christian life and being Christian. That of being grumpy and no fun and clearer about what we don't do and what we're against than what we are for and what we do do. You see, that kind of living, it saps the life out of you, but it can happen to any of us. Often it's like waking up out of that dream where you're stuck in this sort of swampy bog and you're running and using up all your energy, but you're getting nowhere. Or perhaps we just ended up bored and asking, how did that happen? So today we begin this exciting series which will help you to find and to form new rhythms to life. And it's not simply replacing one list with another. This is definitely not the 10 point plan to the perfect life. And by the way, we're gonna throw in free abs as well. No, (laughs) I know some of you are thinking out there, you could do with a bit of that, especially the free bonus abs thrown in. And yet that is not the way. See, Jesus didn't come to give me a good life and take my troubles away and to be my eternal butler, as it were. But that is how many of us start. And so for many, this is the vision and the goal of our day. The cultural narrative is really that the end game in life is to be comfortable, to live well, to be pain-free, to go on lovely holidays, and to get the next upgrade. But it's all a sham. As Wesley said in that literary classic, A Princess Bride, life is pain, highness, 
anyone who sells says differently is selling something. You see, the pain-free, perfect abs version of life will crumble in on itself because it makes you the point. Its central character is you. And when you drink that Kool-Aid, you begin to live in a way as if it's true. And life quickly becomes about you and making your life easy and comfortable. That vision isn't the way. The way announces that to find your life, you must lose it. The way declares that the first will be last and that the greatest among us will be the one who serves the lowliest. This is the life following the way. Jesus, Jesus described it very well for us in the Gospel of John in chapter 14, verses 1 to 7. Let me read that to you now. Let not your hearts be troubled. Isn't that a word for us today? In the season we're in, let not your hearts be troubled. Praise God. Believe in God. Believe also in me. This is Jesus talking. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. That where I am, you will also be. And you know the way to where I am going. And then Thomas comes in. Thomas is great. He's always got a question. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Jesus is the way. This is not a list but a person, not activities, but relationship, not works, but grace. He is the way and he has made the way for you. And this is why this series opener is called Growing in God. The first way of following, this first rhythm we need to find and have formed in us is being in his presence, growing in God. The rest of the ways we will discover over the coming weeks, they're not in any particular order as such, but this one is. First things first. And if we don't grasp hold of the importance and value and profound transformation that comes from spending time in God's presence, we may well end up approaching the rest of the ways wearing the wrong glasses. See, this goes back to what I said a couple of weeks ago. You cannot do life for Jesus without doing life with Jesus. Doing life with Jesus comes first because that is where life comes from. See, over the past 12 months or so, I've heard a word come up more and more regularly. It's a word that Augustine is said to have coined, and it's all about being with Jesus. And Augustine called it withness. I like that word. That's a great word, isn't it? It captures the heart of what I'm talking about today. Because of what Jesus has secured for us, we can now have withness with God. We can come into the very presence of God. We can worship and wonder and commune and talk and relate with the God of all creation. 
See, the presence of God is beautiful and refreshing. And yet I wonder how many of us find it hard to get there. And perhaps even harder to think of getting there. Many of us know that the offer of God's presence is for all of us. But for one reason or another, we exclude ourselves. And so I want to address three reasons why this may be so. And of course, there's many other reasons why this may happen. But for today, I will look at three of them. And as I do this, I realize that for some of us, these may be deeply entrenched. We probably have them locked down tight and we may not be even aware of how deep we've pushed them down. But as the Holy Spirit works in you and as we begin to discuss these reasons why we perhaps exclude ourselves or find it hard to be in God's presence, if you start to recognize one of the reasons in yourself or you start to feel uncomfortable, or perhaps it just brings up something from the past, then please be aware of what's happening. Keep safe and reach out for help. Speak to your group leaders if you are in a group in Jubilee Church, but reach out if it starts to feel overwhelming for you. If you want some help to find the way where you can confidently and humbly walk into the presence of God, then please do reach out. You no longer need to exclude yourself for any reason, but rather you can begin to prize the only reason for being included, Jesus Christ, our Saviour and Lord. So the first reason I want to talk about that you may find it difficult to enter into His presence is where you have an unhealthy emphasis on the transcendence or the bigness of God to the expense of his intimacy. You get, you really understand that God is big and powerful and awesome and sovereign. You love that about God and you value it and you really understand it. And it's all true. It's wonderful aspects and parts of the nature of God. But to think that that very same awesome, sovereign, mighty God delights in you and wants you to be with him, well, that gets a little bit trickier for you. You love the God who made heaven and earth, and yet the idea of Emmanuel, God with us, God with you, is difficult to comprehend. You look at God and you look at you, and you say, well, how can that be? How could God want to spend time with me? I know me, and it's just not that great. So why would he want to spend time with me? And you see, this is the kind of self-talk or the tape that's going on inside of your head. And as you've leaned on that heavily, it's meant that you've excluded yourself more and more from the presence of God. For you, it's hard to think of the place of presence, and it's even harder for you to enter into it. So that's our first reason. The second reason is what I've described as our loves not being ordered aright. We all have loves, don't we? So often our loves determine what we do. The trouble is that if our loves are not ordered aright, we spend our time wrong. 
And if for any reason our loves have been reordered and we are now operating in life without God in that top spot, in that number one priority, then what often happens is that we've put an idol into that top spot and it's getting what is due to God alone. And of course, we don't really speak like that in terms of idols, do we? We rather say something like, I just don't have the time or I'm doing this so that my family will be secure or I'll spend more time just once I've got that job or reached that point or achieved this. That's the language we're more accustomed to, isn't it? But in the end, if our loves are ordered wrongly, then something else, perhaps our family, our job, our position, our performance, it becomes an idol. And when that happens, we're so busy chasing after those other things that we can miss God. And more often than not, we can miss the very things we're striving to attain. And the final reason why some of us might find it hard to enter into God's presence is the feeling of not being worthy. And I know that all of us can feel that to one degree or another, but what I'm talking about here is that this sense of not feeling worthy is a controlling voice in your life. And this can be particularly a result of words spoken over you, more often than not when you were a young child, or something that happened to you. It could have been a teacher or a parent or an older sibling or a coach or some other person in authority and they said something when you were young and it got right into your heart and it took root. Perhaps you weren't fully aware of how deeply it had taken root and yet every now and then you find yourself in a certain circumstance and it triggers a response in you and before you know what's happening those negative and hurtful and harmful words are rushing back to you in that circumstance. Even though those words were spoken years ago, perhaps, and all you're hearing is, I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough, I'm a failure. Or maybe it's something that happened to you in your past. Something happened and now you cannot begin to imagine being in the presence of a holy and spotless God. You perhaps feel ashamed or angry or unclean. How could someone like you with what you've done, or indeed with something that's happened to you. How could you be in the presence of the loving Father? And you see, to all three of those reasons, I want to preach the good news of Jesus Christ to you. You see, Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. He became one of us. He drew near to us so that through Jesus, we could know the Father personally and intimately. The Father is almighty God, maker of heaven and earth, and he also delights over you. He is mighty and he is near. Jesus came to be with us so that we can now, in Christ, be with the Father. He has made the way for you to be in God's presence. You are in Christ and the Father loves you even as He loves the Son. That is how much the Father wants to be with you. In Christ, we find our significance and self-worth and security. 
In Christ, we find the fulfillment of those longings and desires. And there's nothing wrong with those longings and desires in themselves. We do all need to feel significant, secure, and of value. The trouble is that when we start to look for their primary fulfillment in the wrong places, their primary fulfillment is not in a place, it's in a person, the person of Jesus Christ. And as we discussed in the identity series, in Christ we find the person who ultimately fulfills those longings. Because of what Christ has done for us, we can now know the significance of being a child of God. We can learn how to trust God for our provision, for our security, and for the right significance in work and indeed in the gift of family. As the Holy Spirit works to transform you into the likeness of Christ, He reorders your loves aright daily. We give to God what is His, and all our other loves come into the right order, the blessing and the gift that they were intended to be to us. See, Jesus is the way, and He provides the way for you to enter the presence of God. In Christ, we know the suffering servant, the innocent one, the sinless one, who suffered at the hands of wicked people. The Son of God became human, was persecuted, beaten, and put to death by the very ones he loved. On the cross, Jesus took all our guilt and shame and anger and insecurities and hurt and brokenness as God exhausted his wrath on sin. In Christ, we find a fellow traveller on the road of pain and suffering. In Christ, we find a God who suffers, who is near, and who made himself like us so that we could be like him. In Christ, we find healing and forgiveness, and through his suffering, we gain his righteousness. In Christ, we stand before God perfectly. Whatever we have done, or indeed whatever may have been done to you, neither excludes us or prevents us from the presence of God, but rather only because of Christ we stand. He has made the way for us to come into his presence, fully known, fully forgiven, accepted and loved. Because of what Christ has done, God delights over you. Not some future tidied up version of yourself that you're trying to create. No, God delights over you right now. Perhaps think of it this way. God did not reconcile you in Christ to give you a good life. God didn't reconcile you in Christ to give you a list of jobs to do. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 18 and 19 says this, All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. God reconciled you in Christ to himself, 
The purpose of this reconciliation was relationship. We flourish and deepen our relationship with God as we spend time in His presence. Spending time with God is one of the greatest blessings that we've ever been given. Before anything else, we can simply come, be, wait, listen, worship, and wonder. God reconciled you in Christ to himself. He wants you to enter into his presence, to be with him. The possibilities are endless. We also come into his presence to unburden, to request and to seek. Matthew 11 verse 28 and 30, Jesus said this to us, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. We can and should bring our burdens and our requests into the presence of God, releasing those burdens, making our requests and finding his peace, finding his rest and finding that his burden is light. See, time in his presence is like that deep, refreshing well that you draw water from. Jesus offered it to the Samaritan woman and he said to her, whoever drinks of this water will not thirst again. You see, spending time in his presence, it satisfies and it quenches our deepest longings and our greatest desires. Finding the rhythm of the way starts with presence. It's the very sustaining presence of God that brings life, brings flourishing, deeper worship, a deeper humility, and a deeper love for God and for people. It's my prayer that we not only find this way, but that the Holy Spirit forms it into us in such a fashion that our lives are reordered towards the presence of God. The good news of Jesus Christ has made this possible. He has made a way for you to come into and flourish in the presence of God. This is the new rhythm we need as the people of the way. This is not something you work harder or grip tighter to do. It's a revelation of the finished work, of the completed work of Jesus Christ and what has already been accomplished for you and for me. It's a work of the Holy Spirit in us and it's my prayer for every single one of you. As people of the way, we are a people of his presence. It's a start to a whole new chapter and it can begin today. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for all that Jesus has accomplished for us. I thank you, Lord God, that we can now come boldly, confidently and humbly into your presence because of all that Christ accomplished for us on the cross. Thank you, Lord, that we can come into your presence, know your nearness, know your forgiveness, know your healing, know your wholeness, and be in that wonderful place of presence, Lord. Thank you that you delight over us. 
and that you desire to be in relationship with us. I pray and I ask your Holy Spirit to help all of us to form and fashion this way of following Jesus, this rhythm of life that we put being in the presence of God at the very top spot in our life, that we order our loves aright, that we make this a priority through and in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I pray that that can begin today, Lord. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Bless you and have a wonderful week.